Russell, and this is VoiceOver Work, an audiobook sampler. Where do you listen? Today is Tuesday, July 20th, 2022. Today we bring to you the chapter-by-chapter -chapter preview of Harley Cook's book, Long-Term Survival for Beginners. You don't have to be a prepper or a doomsday prophesier to want to be prepared for some eventualities. If you've ever been snowbound in your home or stranded without electricity for more than a day or two, you probably realize that you weren't quite prepared for such an eventuality. This book will take you through the steps needed to prepare for this and worse. Here is the chapter-by-chapter -chapter preview of Long-Term Survival for Beginners by Harley Cook. Chapter 1, Survival Checklist. Gone are the days when doomsday preppers and survivalists were relegated to the fringes of society and met with negative connotations or a general disdain from others. With recent global events that have caused upheavals in modern society and changes in daily life, including catastrophes linked to climate change and the pandemic, everyday people are realizing the importance of being ready with basic supplies and surviving in the event of a disaster. A recent survey from Finder showed that in 2021, around 45% of Americans spent a significant amount of money on survival materials or being prepared for long-term survival. This number is a dramatic increase from about 20% of Americans who spent money on survival equipment in 2020. The survey also showed that 27% of American adults, or around 69 million people, reported that they no longer needed to make a dash to the store in an emergency because they've already stocked their homes with basic survival items and essential supplies. Why are many Americans being more assiduous about preparing for emergency situations and disasters? The January 2021 survey from Finder revealed that a little more than a quarter of the respondents, 25.20%, were taking on emergency preparedness strategies because of the pandemic. Meanwhile, 9.4% of those surveyed cited political events in the world as their main reason for prepping, while 5.36% were doing this as a response to recent natural disasters. The statistics regarding how the American population spends on emergency preparedness are also interesting to note. In 2021, 20% of Americans said they have an emergency fund of around $962, which has dropped significantly from the average of $1,940 in the previous year. This decrease could be attributed to the effects of the global pandemic, with many having less disposable income or having to tap into their emergency funds in order to mitigate the economic effects of the novel coronavirus. The same study showed that 41.6% of Americans spent around $258 in 2021 to stock up on essential food and water for their homes. 18% of the U.S. population spent an estimated $530 on home renovations related to emergency preparedness, and 11.6% spent about $317 on various means of evacuation in the event of a disaster, such as a car or a boat. Other things that Americans spent money on included weapons or self-defense training, 
$172. Survival courses, $122. Medical supplies, $119. And survival kits, $97. It's also very interesting to look at the demographics of preppers. 76% of men were preparing for emergencies and disasters compared to 69% of women. Millennials were the most likely to be prepared for these events, followed by those from Gen Z and Gen X. Baby boomers and the silent generation had lower percentages of people who were preparing their supplies in case a disaster hit. How do you compare with the statistics above? Financial concerns are of the utmost importance for most people when it comes to disaster preparedness, but, of course, there are other considerations that you'll need. Chapter 2 First priority, water. One of the top priorities in your off-grid or urban survival strategies will be having access to clean water. Each part of your body, cells, tissues, organs, they all need water in order to keep functioning properly. Water makes up most of your body weight and is a crucial component of a number of bodily functions. So no matter where you are residing off-grid or whatever emergency situation you find yourself in, your preparations should put a premium on access to water. Clean drinking water is an essential component of a number of bodily functions, such as regulation of body temperature. You need to stay sufficiently hydrated so your body can maintain its normal temperature. When your body is engaged in physical activity or in a warm environment, water is lost due to sweat. Sweating keeps the body cool, but if the water level is not replenished sufficiently, the body temperature will rise, causing dehydration and a loss in electrolytes and plasma. The more you sweat, the more you should increase your water intake and replace the lost fluids. Waste excretion. Another important bodily function aided by water is the excretion of waste material via sweat, urine, and stool. Water is essential for flushing out toxins in the body via sweat and for maintaining healthy urination and bowel movements. The kidneys, in particular, filter out a lot of the waste from the body through urination. Your kidneys should have an adequate water intake so they can work at their most efficient level to prevent the formation of kidney stones. Protection for tissues, joints, and spinal cord. Adequate water intake will help in the proper lubrication and cushioning of your body's joints, tissues, and spinal cord. In turn, when these body parts are working properly, you'll be able to withstand strenuous physical activity at a greater level and will lessen the risk of conditions such as arthritis. Saliva formation. Saliva contains water, along with electrolytes, enzymes, and mucus. Adequate water is needed for the creation of saliva, which in turn breaks down the food that you eat and also keeps your mouth healthy. As you get older, or if you take some medications, your saliva production may decrease, and water intake must be increased in order to offset this and keep your saliva levels healthy. Optimum Physical Performance You'll be doing a lot of challenging activities if you're living in an off-grid homestead or as part of urban survival, so you need to make sure that your body is working at its most optimal level. Plenty of clean drinking water will be necessary to keep the body functioning properly. When your body is hydrated, you'll also maintain your strength, endurance, and power, as well as avoid decreased blood pressure, dehydration, and hypothermia. 
helps digestion, and prevents constipation. The digestive system of the body needs sufficient water in order to efficiently break down and digest the food that you eat. The body can more easily adapt to changes in food consistency and stomach contents when there's an adequate water level in the body, regardless of whether the consistency is more liquid or solid. Aids in Absorption of Nutrients When you consume food, water plays a big role in helping to dissolve the vitamins, minerals, and other essential nutrients. Then, after these nutrients are properly broken down, water will also assist in delivering these components to the different parts of your body so they can be used. Assists with Cognitive Functions When you're facing the challenges of off-grid survival... Chapter 3. Second Priority, Shelter Survivalists realize that society and its delicate balance can change in an instant, whether due to natural or man-made situations. This is why it's so important to be prepared for the worst, while also hoping for the best outcomes. In regards to preparations for the future, the foremost priorities will always be water, shelter, and food. In this chapter, you'll read all about the different considerations for preparing your shelter for survival situations, whether you're transitioning to an off-grid lifestyle or planning for urban emergencies. The Importance of Site Selection The first part of your off-grid shelter planning will be choosing the best land to build your homestead on. Land is likely one of the biggest investments you'll make as part of your transition to a self-reliant, self-sustaining lifestyle, so choosing the best possible off-grid property will be crucial to the success of your endeavor. What are some important things to remember as you scout around for a potential property where you'll build your off-grid home? First, you should avoid purchasing land with too many restrictions or covenants. Some landowners or developers have rules or covenants for their properties that are very restrictive as a way of protecting their land from being developed in ways that do not align with the rest of the area. Of course, for more rural locations, you'd find less instances of lands with these covenants. Still, Make sure that there will not be restrictions against the off-grid projects you'll want to do on the property. If possible, purchase agriculture land for your off-grid homestead, because this almost guarantees that you'll be allowed to grow a garden and raise livestock. Whether or not you are planning to raise animals on your property, or just plant crops for now, you do want to be flexible enough in case you change your mind in the future and decide to expand to raising livestock. If you already own agricultural land, making that addition will be less of a hassle. Also, as you scout around for off-grid land, be sure to complete your due diligence and review county planning and zoning ordinances applicable to the land you're considering. Generally speaking, the further you are from city or town limits, the less restrictions when it comes to zoning and ordinances you'll have to contend with. Steer clear of parcels of land in jurisdictions with too many ordinances when it comes to the minimum size of your structures. Part of doing your due diligence is ensuring that you buy a piece of land with no existing liens or encumbrances. It's recommended that you do a complete title search and insurance on the property, making sure that there are no existing liens or tax-related legal actions against the property and that the seller is the actual owner. Any amount of time and money that you invest in properly researching the land before making a final decision 
will give you more peace of mind down the road. Common sense will tell you that you should avoid a piece of land that has no access. You'll discover for yourself that as you look for parcels of land, you will find some properties that are very inexpensive and would seem to be ideal off-grid locations, but it comes without any legal access or is very inaccessible. This is especially true for very remote pieces of land. Take note of weather-related access as well. Some properties only have access during the summer, because in the winter, heavy snowfall will cut off the land from the main road. That said, you'd still be better off if you buy a secluded or remote property for your off-grid lifestyle. This is because remote properties are usually more affordable, have less zoning or building restrictions, generally have... Chapter 4. Third Priority Food when news of an impending major emergency or catastrophe is broadcast on news channels or spreads on social media, it's not surprising to suddenly see throngs of people trooping to grocery stores and stocking up on extra food supplies, especially if there are predictions of chaos and disruptions in the aftermath. This is why survivalists have, for many years, emphasized the importance of being prepared for these eventualities through food self-sufficiency. Whether you're preparing for long-term survival in your off-grid homestead somewhere far from the city, or if you want to hone your emergency preparations for urban survival, the emphasis of your plans should be on maintaining a reliable and long-term food source. Having a stable food source will ease much of your worries about what to provide to your household in case of a protracted situation that causes disruptions in the normal food supply chain. Gardening Off-Grid For your off-grid food needs, it's important to have a combination of more than one method for food production and long-term storage. There are a number of reliable strategies to ensure that you can meet the food supply needs for your household. The most common among survivalists is gardening. Your survival garden will thrive if you select a location with the most optimal growing conditions possible. Look for a place complete with healthy soil, proper irrigation and drainage, and abundant sunshine. Before you start planting, consider what climate zone your off-grid property is located in so you can find out which crops will grow best. There are plenty of useful online resources you can check out so you can get the most accurate information about the climate and growing conditions in your area. Factors to include in this stage of planning include not only the climate, but also nearby bodies of water, topography, rainfall, and the average number of months for each season. Some crops are resilient enough to survive even harsh winters, such as pak choy, onions, and shallots. Other popular crops, such as asparagus, broad beans, garlic, and spinach, will grow throughout the year and provide you with yields several times annually. It's a good idea not only to research online, but also to check with local farmers and growers who will be more than happy to assist you in choosing which crops will be best for your off-grid location. A wide variety of plants will provide you with a balanced year-round supply of the freshest produce for your dinner table. Make sure you have a selection of cool season vegetables, as these crops will thrive during the springtime and will benefit from the cooler temperatures during the mornings and evenings after the first frost. Cool season vegetables will include lettuce, peas, broccoli, beans, and beets. 
Another popular option among off-grid gardeners and survivalists is the use of a greenhouse or even the windowsill for warm season spots. Your greenhouse does not have to be massive in size, as long as it is enough for your projected needs and expected yields. You can plant seeds of melons, vegetables, tomatoes, and other warm season plants in your greenhouse or windowsill, and then transfer them to the ground during the last few weeks of spring when the earth is warm enough to nurture them. When planning your survival garden, choose crops that your family actually eats as part of your nutritional needs. It'd be a waste to have a harvest of crops that will not be part of your regular diet. That said, nutritional values should take precedence over any preferences, so seek to strike a balance between both considerations. The plants that... Chapter 5. Fourth Priority, First Aid. When you're living off the grid or dealing with an urban survival situation, access to emergency medical care may be limited or not immediately available. It's imperative that you and your household members know how to apply basic first aid in the event of an accident or injury until professional medical help can be accessed. In previous chapters, information regarding first aid kits and trauma kits for your emergency survival preparations was already given, but it's not enough to just have these supplies on hand. You should also know how to properly use them when and if the need arises. CPR First aid skills are the same whether you're in an off-grid homestead or preparing for urban survival. Perhaps the most basic skill to learn is how to perform cardiopulmonary resuscitation, or CPR. This is used when an individual's heartbeat or breathing suddenly stops, and CPR is needed to help keep the person alive and the blood flowing until healthcare professionals can respond. Proper administration of CPR can greatly increase the patient's chances of survival in a life-threatening situation. To perform CPR, call emergency medical services first or ask another person to make the call, then follow these steps while waiting. Lay the patient on their back, ensuring that the area is safe. Open their airway. Check if the patient is breathing. If the patient is not breathing, start administering CPR. Perform 30 chest compressions on the individual. This is done by placing your hands on top of each other, clasped together in the center of the patient's chest, a little below the nipples. Perform the compressions using the heel of your hands, remembering to keep your elbows straight, pushing down around 2 inches deep. The rate of compressions should be around 100 times per minute. Next, Perform two rescue breaths directly via their airway. This is done with the patient's head tilted back slightly, the chin lifted, and the nose pinched shut as you blow air into their mouth, allowing their chest to rise. Repeat these steps, 30 chest compressions, two rescue breaths, until the patient's breathing or heartbeat resumes, or until an ambulance or an automated external defibrillator, AED, arrives on the scene. CPR is used when a person has stopped breathing after a heart attack or cardiac arrest, choking, traffic accident, drowning, suffocation, poisoning, smoke inhalation, electrocution, etc. Make sure that the person is not responding to any verbal or physical attempts to get their attention before administering the CPR procedure. Tourniquets Another crucial first aid skill you should know 
is how to apply a tourniquet. A tourniquet is a tight band that's used to stop the blood flow of a wound or to control the bleeding after a limb gets injured. In a case of severe bleeding, the proper administration of a tourniquet can keep the injured person stable until professional medical attention arrives on the scene. Tourniquets are particularly life-saving in issues involving a road accident, a deep cut, a gunshot wound, or a crushed limb. Materials needed for an improvised tourniquet include a triangular bandage, belt, towel, or shirt, and a windlass, such as a stick, to twist the tourniquet tightly and keep it in place. Follow these steps when applying a tourniquet. Find the source of the bleeding, keeping in mind that the injury may not be readily visible at times. If it's possible, have the patient recline. Chapter 6. Fifth Priority, Hygiene and Waste Management When I first brought up my plan of living off-grid to my dad many years ago, the first thing he told me was, So you're going to be a dirty hippie. I laughed it off and told him that was not going to be the case. But I soon realized where exactly he was coming from. To many people, the idea of living off the grid, away from the conveniences of modern life, conjures images of unkept, unsanitary living conditions with no access to bathrooms, hot showers, or running water. Of course, this can't be further from the truth when it comes to the realities experienced by the vast majority of off-grid survivalists. Although those who choose to adopt a more self-sustaining, self-reliant lifestyle may not be connected to the power grid or to the water company, this doesn't necessarily mean giving up the basics of personal hygiene and waste management. What it does entail in this lifestyle is a shift in perspective and being open to setting aside what one may have gotten accustomed to in favor of more sustainable and eco-friendly solutions. Off-grid hygiene. Whatever type of water source you choose to have in your off-grid homestead, you'll have to optimize the water supply that you have. Literally, every drop will count. So this means being creative and resourceful while planning for the different household needs and activities that most consume water. Showers are among the top priorities for off-grid survivalists because of the amount of water that an average person consumes in just one shower. One of the more common solutions is the bucket shower. In fact, this method is commonly used in many parts of Africa where the water supply is limited. This very simple, versatile method can be as easy as a bucket full of water and a shower head attached to it, along with a heater that's powered by solar or electric power. Other commercially available versions are a bit more sophisticated, including battery-operated shower pumps that can use any water source. Now, if solar power is something you'll be using substantially in your off-grid homestead, you may want to consider a solar shower for your bathing needs. A basic solar shower is usually fitted with a black bag and a plastic shower head, which uses the sun's rays to heat the water. But if you want something more reliable, you can opt for a more durable commercial model with chrome plating, a bigger tank, and greater durability against rust and the elements. Another option for off-grid homes is an electric tankless water heater. Most good quality electric water heaters are easy to install and will not require too much water pressure. The electricity needed is also minimal, and this should work if you have a more permanent and reliable source of renewable energy already in your homestead. That said, a tankless water heater will require a water pump and a high-pressure shower head to work effectively. 
When choosing which off-grid shower option to use for your off-grid homestead, consider factors such as the number of people that will require a shower every day, your water source, whether you have enough water storage containers, the drainage situation in your home, whether you have the resources to heat the water, and if you have backup water sources, such as rainwater harvesting. Waste management is also a critical part of your planning for the off-grid lifestyle. A self-reliant home should not only be prepped for energy, water, and food production, but also for efficient waste removal and treatment. There are two types of water waste produced in your home, namely gray water and black water. Gray water refers to the used water from activities such as bathing or showering, washing dishes, and washing clothes. On average, an individual will generate approximately 40 gallons of gray water daily. Chapter 7. Specific Disaster Preparedness Depending on where you live, you may have to deal with different types of weather disturbances and natural calamities that can happen at different times. Some natural events can be forecast ahead of time giving you ample time to prepare, while others can strike when least expected. These situations underscore the importance of long-term survival preparedness, whether you're residing in a crowded city, in a suburban neighborhood, a small town, or a remote off-grid location. The key is preparation long before the crisis takes place. Extreme weather. First, let's look at how to prepare for extreme cold weather and blizzards. Winter storms are harbingers of not only extremely cold temperatures, but also power failures, interruptions in communication and utility services, and very icy roads that can make travel perilous. Aside from the emergency survival tips already mentioned in previous chapters, here are additional reminders for how you can prepare specifically for winter weather conditions. Ensure that your home's water lines are sufficiently insulated so the water supply has less risk of freezing when the temperature drops. Weather strip and caulk the windows and doors of your home. You would also want to install thermal pane or storm-resistant windows and covers from the interior. Add insulation to your walls and attic to control the temperature. Check for any roof leaks before the winter months. Also, remove any tree branches that could potentially fall on your home or vehicles during icy storms. Make sure your fireplace, wood stove, chimney, or flue are regularly inspected and maintained. These will keep you and your household sufficiently warm during very cold weather. Also, if you're using these fixtures for heating, it's a good idea to install smoke detectors and a carbon monoxide detector and to always have a dry chemical fire extinguisher in your residence. If you have pets who stay outside the house, make plans to move them indoors when the weather gets cold. Before the winter months, prepare your car, particularly the tire pressure, radiator system, antifreeze level, windshield and wiper fluid, heater, defroster, emergency flashers, oil, and battery. Always keep an emergency survival kit in your car. Some areas of the world are more susceptible to periods of drought or extended periods of very little precipitation. The bulk of preparation for this type of weather event would be focused on how to conserve water and have a reliable water supply for your household. Fortunately, drought events are usually forecast ahead of time, so you can take these steps to be ready. Check for any dripping faucets around the house, as well as leaks in your plumbing. Any leaks should be repaired right away to avoid wasting water. 
Minimize water use by reusing gray water from your kitchen or bathroom sinks to water plants. Consider additional fixtures, such as aerators and flow restrictors for faucets, an instant water heater for the sink, and a water softening system for the pipes. For your toilet, switch to a model with a reduced gallons per flush, GPF. More water-efficient toilets average 1.28 GPF. Look for dual-flush toilets, as well as for more water conservation. Switch to dishwashers and washing machines that use less water and electricity. During extended drought seasons, you may have to switch to hand-washing dishes and clothes to save water. Replace your bathroom's shower head with a low-flow variant. For your garden, practice drought-smart landscaping techniques. Chapter 8, Conclusion Long-term survival methods and techniques are always being enhanced and updated to stay relevant with the times, so your emergency preparations and self-reliant strategies should also be in a constant state of improvement. Once you really dive deep into long-term survival preparations as an integral part of your lifestyle, you'll realize that this is a never-ending learning and development process. Be open to adding to your knowledge, improving your actions, and broadening your perspectives when it comes to emergency preparedness. Whether you're focused on being able to live on your own off the grid or more interested in living through an urban survival situation, there will always be new information and suggestions that can maximize your efforts and push you to better applications of the skills you have already learned. Just like anything else in life, long-term survival strategies can always be improved and streamlined, so keep your eyes peeled and your mind on alert, ready to absorb fresh concepts and ideas that will bring the information presented in this book to greater heights. After all, for the true blue long-term survivalist, no effort is too big and no expense is too much when it comes to hedging oneself against the uncertainty of the future and making sure that your whole family is safe and secure, regardless of the crisis taking place. Thanks for joining me in this episode of VoiceOver Work and Audiobook Sampler. Tune in again Saturday for the next preview of the Audiobook of the Week.